Hello, everyone. Welcome to And Podcast for All. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. This is episode two, where we have our inaugural guest. After all, it's called And Podcast for All because you, the fan, drives the discussion and runs the show. Uh, today, we have a special guest, Bob O'Rourke from Chicago, Illinois. Bob, what's up, man? How are you? I'm very honored to be here, guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and being the inaugural man. I promise you when we reach 10 million downloads in Gold Diamond, I'll, I'll have an award and a, uh, a framed uh, record for you. Yes, th- this will be the uh, the No Life to Leather demo version, <laughs> right? Th- this this episode will be worth... This is the one that will... This is where it will define everything. That's right. It all starts here. It'll be the... The cassette from '83 with Lars's handwriting and the sharpie on it. Turn bass down on amp. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, we are dealing with the true fan already. I'm not worried about how this is going to go. I'm I'm very impressed. Um, Bob, how long have you been a Metallica fan? Um, I guess probably all started uh, right right before the Black Album came out. Okay. Um, I had seen uh, the Enter Sandman video on MTV. And um, at the time, I was really into Guns N' Roses. And I saw the Sandman video, and I clearly remember the, the VJ saying, you know, here's another one from the boys in Metallica. And I'm like, what is this? Right. And uh, I think I've told this story s- somewhere before, but um, I remember Hetfield's Fu Manchu mustache kind of standing out. I'm like, that dude looks old, you know? <laughs> um, we were just talking about his facial hair on the other episode. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it was it, it kind of stood out, and I liked it, but I was still Team Guns and Roses sort of all the way, and then um, you know, fast forward a little bit, and I got the Black Album for my birthday probably the following year because it would have been right after the Black Album came out, and I don't think my mom would have went to the store and bought that record the week it came out. So I'm thinking '92 ish. Um, you were one of one billion people that bought the Black record. Exactly. And, um, you know, it just, it kind of snowballed from there. I remember, uh, I think for a lot of people, the, um, uh, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert, I think kind of yeah. sealed the deal. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much it. I was, I was all in from there. Every time I think about the Enter Sandman video, I think of the year and a half in the life footage when Lars goes, I love making videos. And then James goes, I hate videos. They're boring as shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. I, you know, I, I was I was taking a note um, when uh, when you guys were. I was listening to your your first episode, which was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, throwing out the year and a half of life of quotes, and I was thinking about that. I was like, man, you know, I still randomly throw those out, like with sometimes without even knowing I'm doing it, like in random conversations. And definitely that that bit right there. Obviously, not year and a half of life of, but um, you know, the I, I hate making videos or boring as shit, and that little Hetfield laugh. Like I still do that laugh. Just right. Because I'm a nerd like that. There's so many times I find myself saying field goals, rebounds, and then anytime, shots yeah, shots block, home run by Hetfield. And then anytime anyone says 10 minutes, I just picture Lars in that hotel room. Minutes, fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. It's just funny how most Metallica fans can spit out lines like that and everyone else in the room's like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Well, you know, and the other thing too, I found a bunch of old videos that I made um, in like freshman year in high school, eighth grade, high school. And um, 
I was basically trying to be Hetfield, you know, the way I was talking and some of the things I was saying, and it <laughs> probably came off kind of dickish to my friends that I was with, and they probably didn't quite get it. I mean, one of my friends was really super into Metallica. He kind of helped get me into the band too, but um, I'm sure they were kind of scratching their heads a little bit like, what's this guy up to? Were you signing your homework assignments with the initials JH? No, I, I, I wish I was. <laughs> I probably would have had better grades. Well, maybe not. James isn't known for his spelling. Yeah, so. yeah, a little alternative version. Yeah. Don't you spell fuck F-U-K? Of course. Perfect. I used to write Metallica logos on everything, uh, probably mostly because Dude. I can't draw worth a shit. And the Metallica logo was like the only thing I could actually like do. And I was like, all right, this looks this looks legit. True artwork by Jeff Winslow. Oh, yeah, that was like the one and only totally. that and the Slayer logo. Yeah. everything well, else was and then just too, downhill yeah i mean the, the same thing with uh when um live shit binge and purge came out and you had the scary guy stencil i put that everywhere oh, God, yeah. i mean book you know um uh textbook covers for for school like i said in elementary school and all through high school i had it all over my folders my binders and then would write out all the you know the discography write the band yep. you know their names and everything it just it was like you know, Uber nerd before the internet too. And when you guys were talking about the internet, I was thinking about the first time I got on the internet and jumped in looking for Metallica stuff. You were know, you on AOL? Looking for lyrics of the cover songs, you know? What was that, What's Jeff? That? Were you on AOL? Did you have the dial-up? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Of course. <laughs> no. 28.8 baud rate. <laughs> yeah. It takes forever. And then, and then that's the other thing too. Um, you know, I was thinking of stuff to, to talk about and I remember – with the internet too, like going on and finding the very first like anti like Metallica websites, you know, right. after load came out, it was really, I, I was like, why is somebody devoting this much time to creating this for something they don't even like, you know, it, it was mind boggling. It still is. That's when the ultimate uh, keyboard warriors, I like to refer to oh, them yeah. started to show up in chat rooms and and uh, what am I trying to say? Bulletin boards and talking shit. It's like, really, dude? You're going to waste your time talking about someone's haircut versus what King Nothing sounds like? Yeah, yeah. That, you know, and, and two, um, when Load came out, obviously we just had the anniversary of the Until It Sleeps video, which to this day I think is still one of my favorite videos just because yeah. it's it's different, you know, and, and it's it's a little deeper than the average, you know, here's the band playing in front of, you know, bunch of fans kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like um, a bunch of people missed that when Load and Reload came out because they were just looking for another, you know, heavy metal record. And I think obviously the album is a lot deeper, you know, lyrically and all that. I feel like it just, it went over a lot of people's heads, you know, because they're looking for, you know, to bring back, you know, the Justice sound or even, you know, do a Black Album Part 2 or whatever. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I remember having the Until It Sleeps cassette single before the record came out and going over to my friend's house and, and my friend Chris, he was the dude who kind of, you know, really introduced me to the band. And he, uh, he would, you know, his older brother, Jason would like set up his guitar and his amp in the living room and start, you know, playing songs for us. He'd be like, for a Metallica song, we'd be like, yeah, whiplash, you know, and he would you know, start playing the riff and just jamming out. But he looked at the, at the cassette single, looked at the picture on the back and was like, those guys are sellouts. It's like, those fags. I'm like, like, 
what? I, I, I was, I, I didn't get it. I'm like, how could anybody hate this band? Like at that point I was probably a fan for like three years or so. And the band seemed untouchable. So I was like, even when Hetfield had the mullet in 95, I was like, that's still kind of cool. I think the Metalla mullet, Ulta mullet, Ulta mullet. <laughs> but, but I, I was kind of dumbfounded by that. I just didn't get how somebody could hate this band. And then of course, going into high school load, everybody's like, that band sucks. They sold out. They wear makeup. They wear fingernail polish. I'm like, really? Really? Right. They made a country song. Oh, big deal. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I think it's one of the best songs on the record. Mama, she has taught me well. That's why I'm not the singer in my band. You just heard that. <laughs> but you know, really one of the early turning points for me was um, when I was a kid, my grandmother lived in this this like split, I don't know, I wouldn't say a duplex, but it was a, it was a big house, but it was split yep. where she was on one side and her neighbor was on the other side. And her neighbors were kind of, I guess you could say borderline rednecks, you know, kind of dirt bags. And they just up and left one, one day or one night or something. And, you know, I would spend a lot of time at my grandma's house. So it was sort of like urban exploring. So I'm like, let me go over here and check this house out. And of course the door was unlocked. So I walked in and the place looked just ransacked. I mean, the kitchen, there was still food on the, on the stove, like in the pot. And it was slowly growing hair as I would kind of continue to investigate this place and just be a little urban explorer. Bob or Rourke, the fucking squatter. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I, I went up to uh, one of the bedrooms and of course, you know, all the dressers and stuff were knocked over and there's some clothes, you know, laying around. Don't, don't tell me that there was a vinyl copy of garage days in this abandoned home. No, dude, even better. My very first Metallica shirt. Oh, wow. oh, look you at that. He's holding it. it up. How cool is that? I awesome. have no idea what year it's from. What's for those? Uh, what's the, uh, I'm going to sound like a huge nerd, but show me the tag. I'll be able to tell you. No tag. Ooh. Oh, a bootleg. No, <laughs> no Metallica I, logo on the tag. No tag. And it's super thin. You can kind of see right through it. This is why we do video uh, calls, Jeff. That was awesome. Yeah, if only everyone could see. A, For those who can't see, it's a Damage Incorporated shirt. That looks so OG. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even see a copyright, like, you know, on here anywhere. But um, I had this thing, man, and I wore it to school, and I was like, this is my favorite band. <laughs> I wore this to school. What's on the back of that, Bob? Oh, it's got the, the pile of bones. It doesn't say tour, does it? It just says Damage Inc. Put it up a little higher. Yeah, it does say tour, yeah. What is the tour? That is so cool. Yeah. That is so OG. That is, yeah, that's awesome. So it, it doesn't fit me anymore, um, but uh, it does fit my wife. So I've <laughs> kind of handed it down to her. Baby, you got to wear that at least once a month. Does she like Metallica? <laughs> what was that? I, I uh, does that. she like Metallica? Oh, yeah. She she thinks uh, she's not quite as, uh, as uh, nutty as I am when it comes to it. Like, you know, her and her sister joke about it because they saw them on the the black album tour cool um for the first time and they they told me you know stories about that they actually gave me their shirts from that tour cool um so i have a mint uh the, the black shirt with um with the faces it has all the dates on the back and then the white one the four faces with the crossbones with their arms uh no i have or the I black have album faces the black album okay. one with, the, with the faces from the black album uh 
inner the, the booklet. Gotcha. Four faces. Um, yeah. But then I also have the white one, which I wore at the Milwaukee show the last time I saw you. Um, I had the white one with the stage uh, blueprints on the back. Oh, the, that is right. I forgot about yeah. that. It's like the, yeah. it's the blueprints of like the uh, 91, 92 snake pit stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like the, yeah, it's like a blueprint. So, yeah. So, so that, you know, they, they gave me those shirts, but they're, they'll always like kind of tease me and be like, all right. Um, you know, if there's like some random picture of James Hetfield, they'll be like, okay, what, what song is he playing? I'm like, well, you can tell by the guitar. It's obviously <laughs> going to be, da, 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 da. you know, and they're like, you nerd. I'm like, oh, you know. That's, that's when me. I say your wife has a GED in Metallica and the three of us talking right now have multiple master's degrees. <laughs> Absolutely. But she says hi too, by the way, Shane. What's up? <laughs> tell me your favorite, uh, what's your favorite shirt? Favorite shirt? <sighs> I'm gonna go with the uh, the Made in LA long sleeve. Yes, the 15 years one uh, because I got that at my first show, um, and I still have it. I can still wear it. It you know because <laughs> I love cool that. Was, I can still wear it. I don't it. think any of I my got, shirts, my Metallica shirts, fit me anymore. I could still wear it. I got it in '97 on the uh, Cunning Stunts. Uh, yeah, or touring me tour. Well, you see, the, the cool thing was back in the day, we would always, you know, in, in the mid to late 90s, the, the fashion was to wear shirts a little baggy. Oh, God, yeah. So now they kind of fit perfectly. Yeah, it's snug. Now, it's snug is in now, so. Of course. <laughs> of course. I love but yeah, it, man. man. I, I had that shirt and I wore it to school. Um, that was freshman year, so I wore that to school a bunch of times. And... Uh, I remember I even caught it one time walking down the hallway on there was something uh, like some bulletin board thing and the piece of metal was kind of sticking out and it cut the sleeve a little bit and I was so pissed, but I had my mom kind of stitch it for me and it's still stitched up. It's still great shirt. It's a great shirt. And then I also have um, the, uh, one of the things we first talked about Shane was the, um, the justice shirt, the white one with the four faces. Love it. Yeah. I got, I got that. Uh, God, seventh grade at a, a record store in the mall called All Wilk, All Wilk Music. I think is how you would say it. A L W I L K. That in Jersey. I was just about to ask. Yeah, that. I think it was. I think it was sort of a kind of a regional thing because there was a couple of malls that had that store in there. But I remember going in there with my friend Chris, and, and I picked that shirt out for some reason because I don't even think I'd seen a year and a half of the life of it at that point. But I was like, I need that shirt. It's funny you bring up the white Injustice for All with the four Justice faces on it. I've had that shirt since probably 1991. I've worn it once, and it was on stage when we played First Avenue First in Minneapolis Avenue, yeah. the night before Metallica played U.S. Bank in Minneapolis in 2016 and even I was there. and my brother another diehard Metallica fan if it wasn't for him we wouldn't be talking right now but my brother saw me come out of the dressing room that night with that shirt on and he goes this is one fucking special night if you're gonna wear that shirt and sweat in it for four hours you were at that show yeah I was down in the front wow that's I was dude I, and, that's awesome I, <laughs> I was convinced that somebody from Metallica was going to show up. Yeah, so were we. We really thought uh, someone from that works with them showed up, but unfortunately, none of the members themselves were able to attend. Man, I, I, I kept I kept holding out hope, and I kept telling my friends that were with me, I'm like, somebody's going to show up, and I'm going to be front row for it. And I remember there was some kind of technical 
thing going on with your guitars. And it sounded like, Jeff, I want to say it was Savage. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yes, it was. Yep, Good it was memory. The, it was the looper. Thank you. Because I kept oh thinking, I kept thinking, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, Kirk is back there and he's going to, he's like fucking around. He's going to come out. You know? Good memory. It's a great show. You guys killed Believe it. Believe me, that man. I wish that that would have been the case because, uh, you know, there's not many moments where I get nervous especially in a live setting, but uh, that moment I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> it was a pedal board issue where you had your, like, it was like a nine-second looper on. Yeah, I'd hit the looper on my Kemper, and yep. it was just fiddling around, and it happened to catch that and just start looping it over the PA as soon as we started the song. Oh, was, wow. Yeah, terrible. Figured it out, like, Long. halfway through. Oh, man. Long- well, you you guys you guys pop my uh, First Avenue Cherry. I was awesome. So far, the first and only band I've seen at First yeah, Avenue. That's, uh, that's quite the venue, and it's yes. We love popping cherries, dude. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, short story, Bob. Yeah, that was 2016. The next summer, I got to think of the date. The following year in 2017, got to talk with Lars and Kirk before a show in San Diego. Kirk brought up that entire first staff show that we played and said, dude, I had all intentions of showing up and surprising you guys, but my family was in Minneapolis, my kids were with, and my kid was sick that night. Oh, no. Yes. Man alive. See, I had... I had very, um, very close. <laughs> I, 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 I just felt it. I felt it in my bones that something was going to happen. I was like, something's going to They're going to show up, you know, but... Trust me, we went through all avenues to get the word out to uh, every important person in their camp, and it almost happened. Anyone with a connection. But did you go through First Avenue? Did you go through First Avenue? That's the... We went through everyone and then some. Yeah. Man alive. We're talking Metallica camp here because I knew they were in town the night before sure. doing that uh, pop-up store stuff since it was just a one-off mm-hmm. show. Yeah. That was, a, that was a fun time, actually, that, uh, that show. It was kind of weird too um because we were hanging out at the at, you know at the soundboard yeah was, Scott. Uh, dude you're like bringing me back down the, this memory lane that is unbelievable yeah. that my memories forgot we had we had ray burton in front of us it was that's that was a hell of a night to me, yeah that to me was better than being up front you know like being right there watching big mick work and then have ray burton right in front of me it was just like watching big mick and his assistant do their magic and then here comes ray yeah. burton and here him and his family to join us. There was about seven of us in that whole sound booth area. And I kept pinching myself thinking, someone's going to toss me out here soon because I do not belong here. Right, right. That's And then about five or six songs into the Metallica set, here comes Volbeat to hang out with us in front of house. Let's get ready to rock yeah yeah john and rob from volbeat were chilling with us um i remember john leaning over the the barricade at well not really a barricade but the railing from where we were to grab me one of the beach balls that fell he was like here let me get that for you oh, cool like, thank you yeah that was that was a killer night killer experience and uh you know um right before that i did the uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago. I was on stage for that. Cool. So it's kind of like, all right, you've been there. You've been there. What's next? You know, it's like, can you 
it's a hell of a year. Can you go higher than number, number one? one? <laughs> right? Can Is that an album previous page? <laughs> Jeff and I say that so many times. Right? Can a record, can a song go higher than number one? Is there anything above that? I think after he says that, Kirk goes, yeah, it's the Billboard chart. It stops right there. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Before we get any more derailed, shit, we've yeah. already talked about 28 things, and I love it. We've yeah, only been going for 20 minutes. Tangent. Way back to when you're talking about junior high, do yeah. you remember when they almost mandated or made you wrap your textbooks in, like, book covers? Say it again. Do you remember when they made, like the school said, here's your textbooks for the year, but you have to put book covers on them so you can protect them? I remember them. that. Yeah, yeah. And most people, like, used, like, literally a, a, a grocery a brown bag. paper bag. bag. Yeah. A brown paper bag. I had all my books labeled Kill Em All for the first hour, second period Ride the Lightning, third period nice. Master Puppets, Fourth period, garage days. Fifth period, justice for all. Yada yada yada. I love it, it wasn't. It wasn't algebra, geography, history, all that bullshit. It was just Metallica albums, and I practiced every day drawing those albums. That's incredible. That's I, I did something similar to that because uh, I can't remember. I want to say maybe it was eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. I had um, one of my one of my book covers. I basically did my own version of the collage from uh, from that one shirt, which I guess technically was a bootleg shirt, um, where it had um, the Master of Puppets crosses, but then it had like the electric chair right. and it had the hammer, and I added the snake, and then I kind of did like a half-assed doodle of you know Doris as well to kind of <laughs> round everything out. But I'm actually I was pretty proud of that shit. They actually called that the collage shirt. The collage shirt, exactly. Jeff, do you have the claw shirt? No, unfortunately, uh, all the Metallica shirts that I I've owned throughout my life they don't really fit me anymore. Uh, as I, you know, have gotten fatter, you know, becoming you've been on the COVID nineteen diet. Yeah, the mixture of COVID and dad bod it equals <laughs> no Metallica shirts fitting me. <laughs> Jeff can't fit into the t shirts, but Bob can still fit into his fifteen uh, year anniversary Hetfield cunning stunt shirt problem is is my last metallica shirt was from like over a decade ago which one? Oh, i don't even uh no it's it's even more than that i actually think the last time i got a shirt was the tour shirt from madly in anger with the world perfect and i still yeah. have that shirt what? because that was the first time i saw metallica was on that so that, that'll tell you i'm a little bit younger but uh uh I, yeah i still have the shirt it just obviously doesn't fit me which uh, which artwork is it? Because I remember there was quite a few uh, artists that did shirts for that tour, oh, man. along with Pusshead. Uh, and I know it wasn't the Pusshead one. Um, Let me guess. It has a red fist on it. No, actually, it didn't have a red <laughs> fist on it. It's. Uh, I think it had, if I remember correctly, on the back, it had them as like cartoon characters or something, or like characters, okay. I, I want to say. I don't really remember because, well, that was that 04. So a little yep. bit. Ago, I haven't looked at that shirt in a long time, but you know, now that now that we talk about it, I want to pull it out and look at it. <laughs> so many shirts yeah, from that era. I know my first one I had was the the Unforgiven Pusshead. Um, that was the first Metallica shirt I ever got when I was a little kid. 
see, I never had that one, the the executioner yeah, one, right? Yeah. Where he's got, yeah. See, I never had that. I gotta, I keep, I want to get that new, uh, that reprint that they just yep. put out yep. for that shirt. That's with the red and black hook logo. Yeah, that's yeah, a badass shirt. Yep, that was the very first one I had ever gotten. I can't seem to get off the subject of junior high of my book covers. Now I just remembered in high school, in tenth grade, sophomore year, somebody bet me that I could not go an entire. It wasn't semester. We had four quarters. So that was probably about two months worth. Someone bet me I could not go a whole quarter at school and wear a Metallica shirt the, the, every day. And I said, fucking watch me. Game on. And I won 50 yeah. bucks. Right on. See, I could have done that too. I had, I had one for at least every day of the month. Oh, easy. Even back then, I think Hell I had 12 yeah. shirts. I'm like, oh, every this is, this is cakewalk. That's probably why... Uh... Girls weren't that interested in me in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Where's your Tommy Hilfiger shirt? Nope, I'm wearing a fucking executioner tee, I remember when I was in high school, uh, prerequisite to even, for me to even date a girl was, you have to like Metallica. If you didn't like Metallica, (laughs) I wasn't interested. Of course. (laughs) That limits the pool, dude. Yeah. And and Nothing Else Matters has to be our song. Right, and then when we when we break up, it's got to be "Don't Speak" by No Doubt. You and me, we used to be together every day, together always. I really feel that I'm losing my best friend. That's pretty good take. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, speaking of the shirts, though, um, I, I was thinking about this. There's a couple of shirts that I had that I can't seem to find. I have no idea what happened to them. And one of them I actually wore to my first show, and it was – I've seen two versions of it. One of them was sort of – the one I had was like a bone white sort of color, but I've seen a gray version of it. And on the front, it's got like a grave digger. And I can't remember if the front That's had lyrics. Right. One of them had – it, it, the front had lyrics to wherever I may roam. And then the back had another image and it had lyrics to unforgiven. And I can't, I don't know what happened to that shirt. Is that the, the, um, the back of it's got like a, a grave that's dug and then just a stone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then I had another one that was a, a caricature um, shirt. Like they, they sold it on the, on the load tour uh, in a, in a black version and it had the dates, but I got a white version that had the, the full, characters on the front and it had the full ones on the back instead of being cropped off i don't know where the hell it went think about how many actual official authorized shirts they have oh there's so many yeah i i, I lost track i realize dude. now that i'm thinking back i uh the the madly in anger with the world shirt the detail i had cards on it with all of their uh the letters all oh, the, the playing cards the playing cards that's which one it was it didn't have yep. it wasn't okay. like a cartoon um because re- you said something about the load shirt, and then I realized that was the one I was thinking of, kind of like, and I was kind of mixing them together. Uh, but yeah, it had the playing cards on it. Uh, that's that's about all I can remember from it. I remember, I remember that one, but for, I don't think I had that one. Or I don't think I have that one upstairs. No. This discussion makes me think of, oh, there's so much shit I can't even start to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's all kinds of shit. I can't even start to think about it. See, I say that all the time too, actually. <laughs> You know, especially, what's your favorite movie? Well, you know. Well, since we started. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, one of the, I guess, again, going back to junior high, I don't know why we, we 
keep circling around this uh, this area. It was formative years. Good memories. Um, but when I got that Damage Incorporated shirt, and this is kind of funny now looking back at it, and it kind of ties back to people kind of turning their backs on Metallica, right? So I remember coming into school with that shirt, and this kid who was kind of like the the king of the bullies, I guess you could say. This kid had like the John Connor sort of skater cut, you know, over his eye. And I walk in and he looks at me and he's like, oh, God. It's like, you can't even name anybody in the band. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm like, I'm on the spot, you know. Watch me. Like, rattling him off. I'm like, make sure I say Kirk Hammett, not Kurt Hammett. I'm like, oh, Did you say no. Lloyd Grant? No. John McGovney? No. <laughs> then I was like, all right. Uh, I was like, Jason Newstead. Uh, you know, what was the name? And like this kid literally quizzed me on, you know, naming the band members. You're about and, to like, get quizzed here pretty soon. I was just going to say, that's a good segue <laughs> into the jump in the fire minute. Right. <laughs> so after you're done quizzing you, did you, did you throw it back at him and just say, just leave me alone? Yeah. And he just kind of, he just kind of walked away. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, he would have been the first person to be like, man, those guys sold out with until it sleeps and walk away. I was like, yeah, well, I'm still here. Good for you, man. Thank you very much. You know, I'm, I'm after chatting with you for about a half an hour here i'm looking at at our trivia questions and i'm thinking they are not hard enough for for you <laughs> no we need to go into the uh master's degree we're currently in the uh the two-year degree right now yeah these, <laughs> there's i mean i mean we're still gonna we're still gonna ask you but this is we, we could have definitely let's jump into it what do you say sure the jump in the fire trivia moment with bob o'rourke from chicago I think we should just call him Bob Rock. Yeah. Hey, that's that's what me and my friends used to say on the back. We, we would uh, we would look at the you know the cassettes because I still have all the cassettes too from back in the day. And uh, my friends that played guitar, he'd be like, "Well, I'm James, and oh, I'm going to be large." He's like, well, "You're Bob Rock. It's your Bob." I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> you're not Kirk or Newstead. You're just Bob. Bob made money too. Yeah. It's all good. That's right. This is back when Bob had one chin. <laughs> Bob used to be a woman. <laughs> let that girly guy tell you what to do so so you know just real quick while we're talking about that uh if you were bob rock would you have still released holier than thou as the first single or would you have picked a different song i wow. would probably i would probably go with what lars you would have picked sandman yeah because i mean now he's wearing that shirt that says lars was right <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lars was never, and not to get on another tangent, I never have thought that he was wrong about anything, you know, Metallica-wise. I mean, except, he's the brains. Except for Napster. Well, <laughs> but, um, Easy. maybe we did it again. Maybe we did it again, but um, Jeff sing I that did song. go out and buy that, though. What's that? Jeff sing We Did It Again. Oh, I... <laughs> I've heard Jeff sing this, and he knows it, so I want to hear it. No, I can't even do it right now. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. For those of you wondering what the hell we're talking about, Metallica actually collaborated for one song with Ja Rule in, I want to say, 2001. Yeah, it was like 01. Unbelievable. I think it it actually ended up coming out in early 2003 because I was that nerd that went to the mall, to the record store, to try to buy that album when when it was supposed to be released and it got pushed back and delayed and i was like oh, oh i wonder back. why yeah just like i went to the store to get the spawn cd that kirk played on 
Me too. I'm going to say, though, the song they did with Ja Rule was still better than Lulu. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to agree with that as well. Yeah. I, I do spin Lulu every once in a while. What, what uh, do you feel like being the table? Yeah, I, I'm always the table. I am the chair. <laughs> but, you know, it's sitting at, at work, you know, obviously being here at home working. But, um, you know, I'll listen to music all the time. And sometimes I'll literally just go through Metallica's entire catalog in, in a day or two, you know, while I'm working. And even if it's, you know, like I just did it the month before, I don't do it again. So Lulu does get spun every once in a while. What do you do for work, Bob? I work for um, a pharmaceutical uh, company. Okay. And um, you might have seen some of our commercials on on TV. You know, there's, uh, Viagra. There's been a lot of talk about. No, no. There's been a lot of talk about um, a, a testing uh, for a certain virus that's going on. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, so like you're essential. Um, Very essential. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Very good. More than essential. Let's see how he Absolutely. does in the Jump in the Fire Trivia Minute. Brought to you by Purell Hand Sanitizer. Cool! We keep, we keep shit COVID-free around here. <laughs> yeah. So the way this is going to work, we're going to take all the contestants from Season 1 and add up their scores and then put them like in a March Madness tournament bracket. Then at the end of the season, uh, we might have to call you back for a one-off championship and the winner actually gets the jump in the fire toy figure as a trophy. I like that. That sounds cool. So here we go. Jeff, I'll ask the first five and you want to ask the last five? Yeah, sounds good. You got your list? Yep, I'm looking at it right now. All right, Bob O'Rourke from Chicago. Question number one. What year was Metallica inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 2009. Yeah, we need to make these harder, Jeff. We do need to make these harder. And real quick, before we go any further, just so uh, everyone's on the same page here, um, I'm sure it's going to be no problem for Bob. But each question, you get 10 seconds to answer. If you can't answer in that 10 seconds, then it just counts as nothing. Cool. You're one for one, dude. Question two. What is the artwork title of the Lord album cover called? Semen and Blood 3. Ding, ding, ding. Um, have you seen Serrano's other artwork, by the way? That's the artist's name. Um, yeah, I think I saw a couple of the Semen and Bloods, but uh, I... You know, and I obviously had heard about Piss Christ. <laughs> That's the one, the Piss Christ. You know, I was going to say, you know, the, the other name. A crucifix in a bottle of piss, and they actually sell yeah. it on a sweatshirt. I, I got to get that. Wasn't there one with shit, too? Uh, there was. I've seen most of his work. He's got a website. You can order it. Just think, you can shit and piss and ejaculate, and you can get paid lots of money to put it <laughs> on a canvas. Lots of artwork. See? Well, see, now, if I were to do that, somebody would call the cops on me and I'd be checked into the mental ward. Unfortunately, that really overrated, overpriced, ridiculous company called Supreme. Oh, yeah. Yep. Makes the Piss Christ t-shirt and of hoodie. Of course they do. So it's probably like $100 for a t-shirt. I looked it up. It was like 130 For the t-shirt? That's terrible. Uh, for the hoodie, because I want the Piss Christ hoodie. Oh, okay. But still for a hoodie? Right, and I want to wear it to my girlfriend's house for like a holiday dinner party. 
$130, that's like what Metallica charges for a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Piss Christ or a tour shirt. Right. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're two for two. Number three, name a hobby of James Hetfield's. Maybe I hey, should maybe I should say that again. Name a hobby of Hetfield's that doesn't include cars. Snowboarding. I will take that as an acceptable answer. I was looking for beekeeping. Well, beekeeping too, yeah, that's true. True or false, Metallica has played on all seven continents. True. Ding. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. You had to give one more. One more. Number five for Mr. O'Rourke. What song did James blow his voice out recording? So what? That is correct. We got to make these a lot harder, Jeff. Yeah, this is this is too easy for him. All right, what Metallica song uses a sample from the movie West Side Story? Don't tread on me. Ding, ding, ding. Good job. Living in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here this is this is a good one because it. Uh, let's see. Uh, what two songs share the same lyric line? Um, Struggle Within and Freight Ends of Sanity. Um, that's not the What's... answer we were looking for, but... Oh, what's the lyric, though? Yeah. Um, sh- ah, fuck, what is the lyric? Uh, I think it's Struggle Within, or Struggling Within. In Freight Into Sanity, it says something like Struggling Within. What the hell? Can I, can I phone a friend? Can I call Clinton Ethan? <laughs> yeah, call, call Metal Up Your Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do we, uh, how do we want to do this? Because it's not necessarily the answer we're looking for, but it also isn't a hundred percent wrong either. It's not wrong. I'm going to give him the lyric that we're looking for. And then I want to hear the two songs. Okay. Fuck it all. And fucking no regrets. Damage incorporated and St. Anger. Boom. Street anger. Street anger. anger. Oh, he, he must've listened to a prior episode of ours. James actually said that in my meet and greet when he went over my set list. He was like street anger. Awesome. My second favorite album, just saying. We know Jeff. <laughs> what song was Jason Newsted's first co-write credit? Blackened. You are just filing through these he's like on, he's crazy. On fire. Black Ned. Black, Black Ned. <laughs> on fire. Uh, let's see. What album was printed in the wrong color by mistake and is now a collector item? I the lightning. Ding, ding, French. ding. Those French guys you, made it green. Do you have a copy of it? No, I, the it, green one looks so no. good. Don't mean to yeah, I, don't mean to brag, but it's in my bathroom. In his bathroom. See, I would buy a bootleg. I would buy a bootleg just because, but I, I could never get an, an OG. I got you. Let's well, see. he's nine for nine. He's nine Jeff. for nine. I, I know we got I'm one more. Sure he's going to get this last one. Uh, I I don't know. I think this one is going to be really really hard. <laughs> what band did Lars help induct into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Deep purple, or would it be Black Sabbath as well? We were looking. For I'll take Deep both purple. of those. The cool thing about that is when he inducted Deep Purple, he was wearing a velvet suit that was actually colored, and the title of his suit was called Deep Purple. Has anybody yeah. ever heard of Deep Purple? Have any guys ever heard of Deep Purple? I love it. Speaking of uh, pure platinum, I looked that up. Oh, uh, it is still in business. Right nice on. homework. Good job. It is it is uh, <laughs> temporarily closed right now. Um, they need to sanitize so they, the pole on the stage. I, 
yeah there you go i, I think he deserves some kind of some kind of consolation prize just for that in itself <laughs> somebody wash that pole off <laughs> listen for jacob man yeah well uh congrats there mr bob rock 10 yeah. for 10 um on the first jump in the we gotta make trivia. this a lot harder oh Jeff. yeah it's definitely going to uh be be harder so i think we'll be talking to bob again when it comes down to uh the final four in the bracket tournament all right fun wow that went Sounds uh good. that went way too smooth for a first round but uh nicely done man thank you thank you very nice um you, go ahead no um, i was thinking another thing too um when i when i got into the band i was kind of like like i i think i'm kind of like lars in a little bit where um in some ways where like when i get into something i need to know everything about it sure. and that's how it was with uh with metallica like getting into the band and finding out every bit of info i could find whether it was this interview in this magazine or um you know metal edge used to do the the sort of uh histories of different bands and kind of repackage all their interviews so i had a couple of those uh probably around the mid 90s you know uh around the time load came out my favorite also, was hit parader yeah. hit parader of course yeah loved it they had all the best uh like poster pictures yep. oh yeah yeah but one of the things that i would always do and i still do um even though i have a few copies of it already um i would always go into the record stores and look at you know look for the kill em all cassette with uh my evil blitzkrieg sure and um I mean, it's just a force of habit. I still do it, even though I have a couple copies of it on CD, a couple on vinyl, a couple on cassette with those bonus tracks. But I, it's like you see them out there in the wild and you need to, you know, rescue them and give them a home, you know? I knew that Evil and Blitzkrieg were bonus tracks on Kill em All. And about the third time I looked for it, I actually found the bitch. Nice. And still to this day, they're... There are copies of Injustice for All with the prints on it. Yeah, I'm always looking for that too. It, that was a was it Vertigo or was that the Japanese version from Sony? I can't remember. I couldn't tell you. I know others that are listening probably know that answer way better than we do. Yeah. But you know, third time looking for Evil and Blitz on on Kill, and I find it. And still to this day, I mean, obviously the internet, eBay has it, but going into sure. a shop and actually filing through shit, still haven't found the prints after Dyer's Eve. And same thing, uh, the Black Album had So What on it, uh, which I think was the Japanese press. Correct. Yeah, and see, see kids, back in the day before the internet. Uh, <laughs> before AOL. Yeah. Um, this, this is kind of what I was kind of leaning towards was bootlegs, and or as they used to call them, imports, where you would go into a record store sure. and they would have the import section, which sometimes would be like the import singles, which were cool, you know, and I have a bunch of those obviously still from Metallica. Um, but occasionally you would see these, these live bootlegs uh, that were some, sometimes 30, 40, $50. Yep. And um, shit, man, we went to, um, we used to vacation up in Northern Pennsylvania, almost by the New York border. And at one point my dad decided to sort of take the family on a surprise jaunt into Binghamton, New York. Sure. And uh, we went to check out this carousel that was there. And on the way in, into, in, into the city there, um, me and my friend, Chris, the, the guy who got me into Metallica, 
we're driving through with my parents and we see this record store called Music City. And I'm like, we need to stop there. So, you know, we go and check out the carousel. Okay, whatever. I'm going to get to this record store. So we go in this record store and dude, it was incredible. You'd walk in, tons of CD racks everywhere. I mean, just piled up and, you know, the bins were so deep with, I mean, they had the plastic, uh, you know, little lock things on sure. them too. Um, a big wall of t-shirts, uh, musical instruments. They had, they had a guitar on the window that I think was one of the, one of the KH models. Um, and it was, so it was signed by Metallica, I guess, probably from when they were there in the black album tour. So you knew walking in and seeing a cage in the window was going to be a good store. Oh yeah. And I mean, they had a, they had a wall of cassettes that were bootleg cassettes and, you know, I bought a bunch of those and that was, you know, uh, back in the day when, uh, trying to track down all the B sides and the garage days we revisited and all that stuff, sure. because obviously it was out of print at that time. So you got that. And then, um, man, I bought so many, like every time we would go on vacation up there, would make a point to go up to Binghamton and, you know, check out music city. And I even stopped at music city on my way to Woodstock 99. Cool. Going up to Rome, we stopped and I bought the, uh, so anytime you're in Northern Pennsylvania, you're stopping there. What's that? Anytime you're in, uh, Northern Pennsylvania or Binghamton, you're stopping yeah, in. Absolutely. And on the way up to big, to uh, Woodstock 99, we stopped and I got the, uh, the, the naked truth picture disc. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I still had the little sticker over the sure. naughty bits, but you know, it's still, it's in the, it's in the trunk with, uh, you know, some of the stuff. <laughs> Jeff, it reminds me of that place we played in, uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. And there was that record store next oh, door yeah, and the dude had like a secret basement stash. Yep. Yep. He's like, oh, you're in the Metallica tribute band playing next door. Here, I got some some special you know items you for found, you. Uh, didn't you get a Megaforce there? Yep, original Megaforce, kill them all. Yep, nice. And the dude is so cool. He's like, I usually get a hundred bucks for these, but give me fifty. No nice. problem. The, the perks of being in the band that's playing right next door. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. We've got a new album out on Megaforce <laughs> Records. It's called Kill Them All. This is for all the Broke another one. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of lucked into some of that stuff. Um, the the Kill em All cassette with the bonus tracks, Chris actually gave me his copy uh, when we were, I think when he was sort of maybe not getting out of the band, but just kind of moving on a little bit. He gave me that and he gave me his Ride the Lightning, which was a, a white cassette. Um which is still having. Oh, I remember family. that. My brother had a white ride the lightning and I kept jacking it from him. Yeah. And then um, another friend of mine gave me uh, his copy of Garage Days Re-Revisited, the actual cassette. Cool. Um, which I still have. And then my cousin gave me uh, Garage Days Re-Revisited on vinyl. Um, and it's a promo copy and it was stolen from a radio station. And it's got, it's got uh, the radio station's call letters all over the front cover, like all over everybody's forehead, like has, you know, W, M, F, U, whatever it is. What's that? Totally legit. It makes you wonder if the radio station paid five ninety eight. Yeah, Who knows? <laughs> That's cool, man. That's a great story. Yeah. Sounds like a great yeah. shop you went to, too. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't think it's there anymore, unfortunately, because uh, I, I had um, sort of referred somebody who was going up there for like a Twilight Zone thing because... Uh, Rod Serling from Twilight Zone was that was his hometown, um, and he was going up there for this Serling Fest that they had. And I was like, "Oh, you got to check out Music City." And I don't never heard from him, so I don't think it's there anymore. How many times have you seen? How many times have you seen Metallica, Bob? Um, I 
think I'm at 2021. 20, nice. What was your first show? Maybe uh, March nine or March seventh, nineteen ninety seven, Philly. Load. Yes. Very cool. Load tour. Yeah, and but I whatever my number is, it, maybe it's twenty five. I can't. I can't fucking remember. I have an asterisk next to it because I went to the Bowery Ballroom show in two thousand three. Yep. But I didn't get in. Um. So I sort of stood by the back door the entire show <laughs> and, and I listened. could hear. Yeah, I, I mean, I could hear it clear as day, and 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 uh, basically, I walked up there and figured I would kind of bullshit my way in. You know, right. I'm the Met Club member. Let me in. You know, and <laughs> I'm Bob Rock. These, yeah, exactly. I'm with the band. Um, but uh, you know, the, these bouncers were like, you know, grabbing people by the nuts and stuff, like checking them. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna wait over here sure. out of line. And uh, but I stood by the back door, and a few other people did, and we saw the band arrive. Saw them all roll up one by one, and um, it was really cool because like Lars jumped out of this big stretch white limo and immediately jumps out and he's like "fuck," like pointing right at us and yelling and having a good time. Um, it's no act. That's who he is. Yeah, and then then the show started, and you know they opened with Four Horsemen, and I'm like "fuck" because I've been dying to hear the Four Horsemen at that point. That's a hell of an opener. What's that? That's a hell of an opener. Oh yeah, and I mean. Look, look up that set list. I mean, it was just like rare cut after rare cut, especially after what they had been playing on the, on the summer sanitarium tour that summer. Sure. Um, but you know, people kept leaving and you know, like 10 people would come out at a time and be like, it's too hot or it's too loud. And can't we go in? You know, they're letting people out. And then uh, somebody came out and was asking trivia questions for entry into the, to the venue. And so they come up to me and some other people and they're like, you know, what's the first song on the first album? I'm like, hit the lights. And they're like, and how long is it? And I'm like, Ooh, they wanted running times. Yeah. I'm like, I said like four and a half minutes or something. And I think it was like three eighteen. Great. So that was my, my chance to get in. But I mean, I was there the whole time. I saw the band leave for the after party. I saw, I think, I think Robert and Lars went downstairs to the after party and then I was like, man, I got to catch the train back to Jersey. I got to go. It's like two in the morning. What a bunch of dipshits. People leaving a show because it's too loud or too hot at a club. I know. I know. It, it was it was ridiculous. James's wife was out there too, um, kind of milling about and there was some drunk guy sort of um, pestering her and I kept telling security, I'm like, get that asshole away from her. Right. She's with the band. She's kind of like, important. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's important, but she was just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so the first show you saw was Load. Um, yeah. What are some of the big ones you've seen? Some of the milestone or historic ones? Um, Woodstock 99 was my third show. That's big. I've watched that DVD probably a hundred times. I made it up front, too. Um, basically through Limp Biscuit and Rage Against the Machine, I was making my way through the crowd. And That's um, a lot of work. After, yeah. Like a hundred thousand people two, there. Dude, after those two bands, people were getting hurt, you know, and kids were getting, you know, falling off the plywood and stuff. And what they would do is they would have the uh, paramedics sort of make a path. And, you know, me and the guy that, that we met some dude who was a Met Clubber there, too. So me and him were hanging out and he was much bigger than me. So I was kind of using him as a shield to just move through the crowd. Sure. And we look at each other. And I'm like, dude, that path that they just cleared goes straight to the stage. Let's follow the paramedics. So we did, and we would just inch our way up more and more. And I think by the time they started one, I was on the rail on Kirk's side. Perfect. 
hella fun. And I'm 16 years old. I don't know how I survived that. You earned it, man. That's 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 a monumental show. I've whether it's YouTube or the DVD, I actually have a Woodstock '99 or just yeah. random footage. That's that's some solid stuff. It's a killer set list, killer set list too. Um, the the S and M show in New York. I was at that. Oh, '99. Um, yeah, the, the, the '99 show, the night that S and M came out, cool. or the night after, or whatever. With the Madison, um, it was in the third Madison Square. Yeah, Madison Square. Yeah. yeah, it was in the third row uh, through the Met Club. Um, night two of the the Fillmore in 2011. I was there. Was a, yeah, that was a fun show. We, I was on. We got to see Lulu. Yes, we did. <laughs> that was something, but you know, hey, it was in my mind. I cool. thought historic it'll never happen again but when they played four songs i was like all right cut to the chase boys <laughs> yeah wrap it's the, time to pack wrap it this shit up um what else uh, obviously Lollapalooza uh 2015 that was pretty uh pretty monumental just being on stage and i knew i knew judging from and i'm sure you do this too like studying video of like previous shows and be like okay Looks like James favors that section right there. This is I'm the make sure I'm, this is the tour where they had fan club members behind Lars's yeah. kit for the entire show. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna make sure I'm over on that spot. And sure enough, that exact part in in fuel, he comes right over and leans right on us. And perfect. I'm like, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. And was, then he got in my face uh, during uh, Fade to Black too, which is cool. Was the sound good back there, or did all you heard was drums? It was, you could hear it because I think they, I want to say they had little monitors pointed at us where you could cool. you could hear it a little bit better. Um, but since obviously we were pretty close to Lars's kit, you know, we heard a lot of Lars. <laughs> Two um, hours of hi-hat. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and, and ponytail. That's all Jeff hears when we play is hi-hat and uh, left and right crashes. Yep, that's my side of the stage. Yeah, that that's um that that was probably I don't think I can top that show for me. I mean, that was that was monumental. Lollapalooza was the top one. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just I remember as soon as we got walked out on stage and seeing, you know, Grant Park and all these people, I was like, "Holy shit." Yeah, that's um awesome setting. You know, yeah, and then as soon as they walked out on stage, it was just like, "Oh, this is real. This is actually happening." Okay, cool. And uh, during Seek and Destroy, Robert came over and, you know, let me slap the bass a little bit uh, towards the end. Slap at the bass. Slap at the bass. Yeah, slap at the bass. And, um, of course, I was, like, all over the, the webcast, too. Like, there, people sent me pictures of me up on the big screen. Sure. And my big forehead up there. I'm like, oh, shit. There's Bob that's Rock. Yeah, people were like, is that Bob? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Or Rourke or Bob Rock. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's that was, awesome. That was fun. So 25 shows, Woodstock, Lollapalooza, you've seen some good shit. Yeah. Um, also, night two in Newark, New Jersey in 2009, that was a pretty fun show. Oh, that, was, that would have been Death Magnetic? Yeah. World Magnetic? That was, the, that was the, the, the night after my meet and greet show, um, which that show was awesome too. But that second night, man, they played Bread Fan, so I was like, pfft. Of course. Did, did you hear that, Jeff? They played Bread Fan. Oh, yippee. <laughs> Bread Fan. For all those of you, for, God, if I could talk right now, for all of you that are listening, uh, I love playing Bread Fan live. 
somebody else in the band does not. Okay, I don't let it be known right now that I don't hate playing Bread Fan live. I just don't think it is the best opening song like you do. I love opening it with Bread Fan. I think putting Bread Fan somewhere in the end, like in the Stone Cold Crazy slot, is a great, <laughs> great option. But I think opening with Bread Fan versus like Creeping Death, I think that's just not as strong. Bob, you could tell who writes the set list in yeah. one, the only tribute to Metallica. <laughs> hey, we've we've gotten our option or our opportunities to write a set list. It just doesn't happen often. You gotta say, man, Bread Fan as an opener though. If I remember right, we opened up First Avenue with Bread Fan. Yeah, I think it was. Probably. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. I probably went off. But um what uh the the ninety nine shows, um, which obviously they didn't play it at Woodstock ninety nine. Um, but man, that, that era and, and those live shows, they had a fire about them that I, I don't know how to really describe. And I think as a fan, you know, it was post load and reload. It was Coke and booze. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There were, there were hints of, of new material coming sometime soon. You know, there was always the, the rumors about, um, you know, well, we're going to do a James Bond soundtrack song, you know, or right. whatever was going to happen. And then obviously rumors of, uh, of the, the mission impossible Two, you know, I disappear. We're starting to kind of bubble around late 99, I guess. Um, yep. but I remember, man, it was just like, what's the next era going to be like? You know, and we had the the two songs from S and M, and it's like, is that going to be this the the direction they're going to go now? Or no, you're going to you get know, a snare drum that sounds like Tupperware and Rubbermaid. But that's that's what's great about it, though, because I feel like as much as I love Death Magnetic and Hardwired, where they're at right now, uh, I feel like it's not hard to guess. Uh, that their next album is probably going to sound more like Hardwired than anything sure. else. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that it's going to be Hardwired Part Two, but I just feel like where they're at now, and they realize like, hey, people want us to have that you know kind of old thrashy sound. I feel like they're going to lean towards their death magnetic Hardwire versus you know trying to do something like Load or definitely anything like Saint Anger. So I think that's what was cool about Saint Anger. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying, you know, what was the next era at that point? People still didn't know. And I'm not saying that people wouldn't be excited for a new Metallica record, but I almost feel like it's semi predictable what could potentially be coming next for their next record. Just based off of how it, it seems like where they're, I feel like they're comfortable now. I yeah. feel like it, the the metal that they're writing now, it it's, it's very suited to them now i feel yeah they zoned it and boned it yeah you know they found their formula that works for them again and i feel like you know you know lars is smart he knows that if it works don't fix it sure he's a businessman too so he's gonna look at it from you know people liked their last two records i mean they did amazing Mm -hmm. you know and they're amazing records jeff just talked for four minutes i think strictly just to get us off the topic of how great of an opener bread fan is uh (laughs) (laughs) now speaking of saint anger though where were you guys in the in the met club at that time i was um i'm still not part of the met club 
Sorry to disappoint anyone. Yeah, I've never been. What did you just say? I've never been part of the Met Club ever in my life. Um, I think I'm looking for a new co-host. Bob, are you interested? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> wow. No, no. Um, so like you know, everybody was so shocked about the production of Saint Anger when it came out, but. I clearly remember, and this kind of goes back to, I think it was 99, 99, early 2000, somewhere around there when there, there was a roundtable interview and so what, and Lars was talking about the next record and what it was going to be like, and he said that it needed to sound, you know, ugly and fucked up. Needs to sound and, stock. Yeah. So so I was kind of expecting that, you know, and then um, hearing the little bits on, you know, the Jump in the Studio website every day, checking it out every day. It wasn't really that much of a shock when I first heard Frantic on the radio or when I first heard St. Anger on the radio, you know, and everybody complains about the snare drum, which, okay, it's not the greatest sound, um, especially on like Purify. It's a little, it's a grating. little dongy sounded. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I've heard many punk bands around that time that had similar snare sounds, you know, oh, I mean, absolutely. shit, there's even, there's even some songs on, you know, on No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom record that have that kind of snare sound, not quite as pingy as St. Anger, but still I was like, okay, it's whatever. It's not that If you bad, listen maybe. closely to the I Disappear single, if you yeah. listen to his snare, it is actually very ringy in that so yeah. uh you saying that it actually makes a lot of sense how you can see that that was you know because that was obviously what built up into what you know they were working on next and mm -hmm. um but yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so i mean i wasn't shocked and you know it trying to explain it to people you know or trying especially when some kind of monster came out and everybody's like oh he's spoiled rock stars complaining about you know wiping That's their, all I wiping their eyes came with... out right it's like, you know, com complaining about, uh, you know, having issues and rehab and all that stuff. It's like, dude, you, you guys, I mean, for, for me, I know I'm kind of jumping all around here, but it was like through the Met Club, we saw a, a rough cut screening of some kind of monster in, um, in October of 2003 up in New York. And I think they said that outside of the band, we were the first batch of people to see the film. And it, it was pretty much what's up? It's, I'm thinking back. I've seen a picture of you. Is that when you're you're downtown New York and you actually met Bob Rock? That was at the red carpet premiere for the movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, and that, that was and Phil Toll, Bill Cosby sweater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at, at this this uh, this rough cut screening, um, I think. Bruce Sanofsky was there and Joe Berlinger as well. Um, and they were still filming stuff because they put that little bit on the, on the DVD. Um, you know, there's a few, few of, you know, me and my friends from uh, the chapter that I was in, you know, we're, we're all kind of sitting there in a row kind of shouting out. Um, a weird, I forgot that I actually talked on it too. A weird little side note. Um, Joe, what's his last name? Which one? Joe, Joe Berlinger. Berlinger. Yeah because another segment of some kind of monster filming in New York happened. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be on United flight 93 on nine 11. Oh shit. And it was because something got rescheduled in New York with an interview with, I don't know who it was, but he decided not to take that flight that day. Cause he was going to go the next day because 
just of a simple schedule change. Check that out. Jesus. Crazy. That's heavy. Lucky man. It was meant to be. I mean, he still made Blair Witch 2, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That he did. In in all fairness, somebody did ask him about that. We saw him at, um, I think it was the Baltimore Film Festival. We went down for the premiere of that because... Cool. You know, the, the chapter that I was in, we kind of traveled. Shout out to Jersey for All, by the way. Cool. Um, we all kind of traveled around, um, you know, for the shows in 2003 and 2004. And uh, and then also the the premiere, a bunch of us were there. And, uh, you know, we met Joe and, and Bruce. No, Bruce was at the Bruce was at the one in Maryland, Baltimore one. I forget where we met Joe, but we met him, though. Very cool. And somebody man. had asked him about um, Blair Witch, and he was like, "Oh God." He just roll his eyes. Yeah, he, he was he was obviously not a fan. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, I got to put you on the spot one more time. Sure, man. We'll go rapid fire here. We're going to do this with all yeah. our guests. Uh, you are stuck on an island mm-hmm. with a bloody volleyball. This is brought to you the- by Wilson. Yep, Wilson Sports sponsors this section of the show. Uh, Tom Hanks just crashed his plane. You got a bloody volleyball. You're on an island for the rest of your life, Bob. What are the five Metallica songs you're taking with you for the rest of your life? You only get five. All right. Um, should I do this in chronological order? You, do like you, did. you don't you have want. to. However you want to. Right. You don't have to think like my fucked up mind works, but <laughs> let's hear it. All right, let's we'll throw it out. Um, Fade to black. Very good. Um, Jeff, wasn't that yours? Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was my. Num- I think that was my number four. I want to say. Yeah, I, I would say fade because you know, I'm sure at some point I would probably start feeling sorry for myself being trapped on an on yeah. an island, and fade would kind of flush that out a little bit. Um, fixer. Oh wow! Because fixer. Wow. Fixer rules. I love that song. That that opening riff, that to me is like descending into something. We're falling into something as soon as that riff kicks. I'm just like, oh shit. Um, Damage Incorporated. That was one of Ooh, that's one of mine. Faces will get peeled off when Damage Incorporated is played. Wilson. Yeah, Wilson won't have a face anymore once that song is over. Exactly. He, he, he'll, he'll, yeah. Um, Four Horsemen. Nice. Um, or as it's been dubbed lately by uh, my, my cousin, the Four Horseflies. <laughs> nice. It's, that's just. I love it. Um, and then probably until it sleeps. Very good. That's actually, that's one of my favorite songs to play live. Yeah, it's, it's a great song and I, I miss it live. Um, but it's ever since the first time I heard it on the radio, not knowing that it was out and just like literally catching the tail end of it on the radio. I was like, awesome. That's a cool song. And that was even before I knew they had haircuts. I was like, Whoa, I might be wrong, but the last time they played that, I was, I was present. Was it? It was on the World Magnetic Tour. Yeah, Kansas City, two thousand eight. It was very early in the tour, and they played it that night. And I don't think they've played it since. And how did uh, how did Rob do on his backup vocals? Was it like fight fire with fire? It was pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one reason why I don't think the song will ever really come back. Jason definitely had uh, a big part in that the chorus of that song and it just doesn't sound right without him. Great part. No, it doesn't. Doesn't. 
So your top five for the rest of your life. Fade to Black, Fixer, Damage Inc., Four Horseflies, and Good Old Sleeps. And that is Four Horsemen. That's with the Leonard Skinner interlude, right? Bridge. You know. Or are you talking live version where it just goes straight back into the riff? I'm, I'm going to say the live shit binge and purge version. Okay. Nice. Mexico City, just because. Because that, that was probably... You know, in my timeline, I had Black Album, Ride the Lightning, and then Life Should Binge and Purge. Um, and I hadn't yet dove into Kill Em All or aside from like a new Whiplash um, or, uh, you know, Justice at that point. So, or even Puppets. Um, but that live version of Four Horsemen, man, I remember, I remember walking through my town, my headphones on, listening to that, feeling like I could take on, you take on the world. Anybody. Yeah. Exactly. My world. Four Horsemen. My world. It's it my, my world. world. Every time Suck I think off. of four, <laughs> every time I think of Four Horse live from the Black Album, I picture Lars running between the two kids during the break. Yeah, and then uh, that recent one from uh, was it Muskegon? When he didn't quite make it. Yeah. So the other kit. for those of you listening, he had two kit. This is the indoor arena show. He had two kits on uh, opposite sides of the stage. And that I'm going to say it's maybe an eight or nine second break. He actually gets off the first kit, runs over the snake pit on those ramps, up the ladder, down the ladder, and to the second kit, and barely makes it in time, even on the like the San Diego footage. But I think yeah. Muskegon, he came up a little short. Just, just a little, you know. It was early in the tour. He wasn't quite. Uh, I love that part. Wasn't quite adapted. He, he, he didn't no, limber up great. before that one. No, no. I wonder what his percentage was for those whole three years on tour, making it in time. That would actually be a, a good uh, question for the the uh, Black Album Deluxe. Let's box be set. real. If anyone were to have the stats for that, it would be Lars. Of course, he'd be like, "Ah, oh, dude, you know, I batted, you know, seven twenty-eight that season." He would too. He'll have a percentage. He'll have. He oh, yeah. probably has the times recorded for every single run. Every <laughs> he knows what town didn't go well. Yeah, don't do this in this town ever again. Encyclopedia Ulrich. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the things I've always admired about him is his the way he can just you know come up with something you know whether it's a meet and greet vid- video or um, you know just throw out a random town. I remember going back to the law of the Palooza one, somebody said, Oh, you know, I'm from such and such. And he's like, Oh, that's by I'm like, shit. Yeah, it's ge- and that's like in my neck of the woods. I was like, yeah, definitely great. You know, I got to say it must be a drummer thing because, uh, not only is my drummer like that, but, uh, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, uh, Shane and I met Morgan from seven dust and literally it, it reminded me of Lars with just like how he just, that's right. He fired off every, like Shane was talking about a show that he had seen seven dust in like, it was like 99 and he 97 97, and he remembered he remembered like his his set list his his drum set like everything like it was just it reminded me very much of lars i wanted to talk to him i wanted to talk to morgan about his kits and he's like oh when have you seen us and i'm like oh 97 99 both here in minneapolis st paul and he rattled off everyone that was on the bill at this uh they called it xmas fest because the radio station was called 93x and they called it Xmas ball because it was around Christmas time. There was like eight bands on the bill 
22 years ago and he rattled them all off like it was last week holy shit and it's not like seven dust does i mean they tour fuck they tour more than most bands i mean they're out like you know 11 months out of the year it seems like they're just always on the road and it's just it's a drummer like thing. I said it just it must be a drummer thing <laughs> i'm just just too fucking quick jeff sorry yeah i know beat me to it <laughs> Well, Bob, that was a hell of an episode, man. Thanks again for yeah, joining man. us for uh, season one, episode two. Yes, thank you, guys. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm honored that uh, you guys reached out. You, and uh, yeah, you are the inaugural guest. We look forward to more guests. Um, if you want to be on the show, shoot us a message at andpodcastforall at gmail dot com. And you better brush up on your trivia because what Mister Bob O'Rourke just pulled off was ten for ten and jump in the fire. We got to get some harder questions, Jeff. Yeah, he's uh, he's. He knows this. He knows his shit. Uh, the competition, it's going to be fierce. He set the bar high, even though the questions were easy. Just hearing his knowledge of what he knows, uh, something tells me that if and when he makes it to the final, that he has a very good shot. So watch out, people. You're just jealous that his T-shirt still fit, Jeff, and yours don't. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm wearing my large uh, shorts, too. Look. Well, we're going to get a visual here. Sure. Still can't see it. He's standing up on a chair. Oh, look at those. Yeah, he's got the large shorts. Yeah. That's a fucking true punter right there. Yeah, dude. I got like <laughs> three pairs of these some bitches. That's like St. Anger Death Magnetic shorts. Yeah. Dude, I love I'm it. Running them. I love it. Well, Bob, thanks for being the yeah. guinea pig on uh, our inaugural guest. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I hope to see you soon at some Metallica show or maybe passing through Chicago or, or maybe a, who knows. Maybe even yeah. at a one show. The- the last time you guys were in town, we were out of town. Where did when you guys played in Rosemont? Oh, yep. Um, that was uh, what, what was the place? That's by O'Hare. Yeah, over by O'Hare. I forget what year it was. It was probably 2017, and for whatever reason, we were out of town because you we were kind of talking back and forth, and we were going to come see you. But now I remember we it was called Joe's Live. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah, two years. Yeah, we'll be back in well, 2021. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll be there for sure. If Bob keeps doing his job with his pharmaceuticals and, and, and has a cure for COVID. We'll be back in Chicago before you know it. Bob used to be a woman. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun, man. Thanks again, man. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon, Bob. All right. Take care. Later. Later.
no more This is a good piece 